Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Oh, I'm really intrigued by the idea of bringing the dog in. Should bring the dog in, like <laughs> if I'm allowed. Maybe not in the studio, but just uh, in the room anyway, in the green room. Is she trained? She's trained enough. Like, she wouldn't do her business inside. Right. right that's that's really what I'm asking. Yeah. That's really what that's, I'm asking. Yeah. No, she's, she's a good dog. Has she got a favourite football team? No, not really. But she, if... She gets... I thought she'd be a bit of a Wolfsburg fan. Oh, God, Andy. <laughs> there, was, there was this amazing oh. picture where they had the highlights, the pictorial highlights of the weekend in uh, uh, the Bundesliga in Kicker, I think it was. And you had uh, the... Uh, wolf mascot from Wolfsburg and he was like wearing obviously his full kit his headband and he was doing a yoga pose <laughs> it was very unusual was he doing downward dog <laughs> hey I kind of feel obliged for us to talk about the Ballon d'Or a, a, a little bit um, yeah I, I know I have that same feeling inside Lars but um, it, it did happen uh, Leo Messi won it. There appears to be a lot of consternation in the UK, particularly over whether that should have been the case or whether it should have been Virgil van Dijk. Now, obviously, Liverpool split the vote, pretty much like Bayern in 2013, when you could have had Robin Ribery, who spent longer campaigning for himself that year than Cristiano has cumulatively <laughs> in all the years that he's ever been looking at the the, the, the Ballon d'Or. Um, 
Where do you stand on it, Mark? I mean, the thing is, Messi is clearly the outstanding individual. There's no way Barcelona win the title or get to the Copa del Rey final or probably the semi-finals of the Champions League without him. And when you do get to the back end of the Champions League, it's kind of fine margins, isn't it? Well, it is. And I, I, it makes me laugh, really, that um, so many people in the UK had obviously been tuning in to 11 sports all season to, to watch Messi's every <laughs> single uh, move, g- given the fact that so many of them uh, obviously, uh, and w- w- we know that Eleven Sports uh, had to to close its UK operation because so few people were subscribing <laughs> to La Liga matches, and yet everybody's an expert on what Lionel Messi did all season. They're basically judging him on one game, a disastrous game, not only for him but also for Barcelona away to, to Anfield. Imagine judging Virgil Van Dijk on the first leg when he wasn't great, um, mm. and, and you know, just saying, well, h- how could he have won the Ballon d'Or? You know, he didn't play well in in one Champions League game. I think the collective at Liverpool is so much better than it is uh, at Barcelona. And that allows the individuals to actually shine brightest. And for Messi, Messi dragged Barcelona, I think, to La Liga title and also um, to the semi-finals and the Copa del Rey finals. Has he been his best ever self since Valverde arrived? I mean, in, in one way, you could say that him playing so well has kind of papered over some of the cracks. On the other hand... Could we say that Valverde has given him the platform to be his best ever self? I wouldn't say that. No, no. Just run out there. Just run out No, they're just turning into uh, a club version of Argentina. Like, they're so dependent on him. And I don't want to be too harsh on them because that's a very easy thing to have happen when you have a player like that. Like, if you have a player who you know you can just give him the ball in any context and he'll probably win you the game at some point, it's very tempting to just do that all the time. But the reality of him... Well, play uh, to your strengths, right? The reality of him last season is he scored, what, 30, uh, 36 goals in 29 games or something bizarre like that? I mean, he's carrying what is a not great Barcelona team and then, you know, they won La Liga and, of course, there was a collapse in the Champions League, but I think I think it's fine. Him it, for, Put it this way, like, individual awards in a team sport is, is a very sort of iffy proposition to begin with. I agree. But since we are living still, thankfully, in the age of sort of near-peak Messi... I think any other player on the planet has to put up a mighty good case for it not to be messy every year, basically. Well, the thing and is, the goals don't really tell the story. But the, these awards, very much like MVP in <laughs> NBA, which is much more of a big deal, it's, it's all about the narrative, really, isn't it? I, th- I think you're right about Messi. There's, there's a really strong case for him to win it every single year, but it felt like with... Modric winning it that wasn't even Modric's best year it's just a, a fact of people are bored of Messi and Ronaldo winning it all the time weren't yeah, they it is a popularity contest at the end of the day wasn't there a, a hint of sort of uh, Scorsese winning the Oscar for The Departed with Modric <laughs> like it wasn't really his best year but everyone kind of felt he should have won it at some point. So, you know, got to give it to him while you have a chance. I feel like that with Chelsea when when they won the Champions League. They didn't deserve to win that one, but (laughs) they deserved to win one. And Portugal at the Euros as well, when they'd been really good in in international tournaments and they deserved to win one. It just wasn't that one that they won. On Van Dijk, obviously he's he's a great defender, best center half in the world probably, and was the missing piece for Liverpool in many ways. But this is still a Liverpool team that gave away a 10-point lead in the spring against City, and who so far this season have conceded in like 
13 out of 15 games or something like this is I mean is, is this your god like this is not the sort of the, the you know defensively there are question marks there it wasn't Clement, Clement, Clement Longley for me Clement <laughs> Longley for me every, every day of the week let's let's talk about it because Longley did keep a clean sheet last weekend um, as, as you pointed out um, where Barcelona won 1-0 at Atletico a game in which Mark I thought Atletico were actually the better team I mean Messi and it feels vulgar to judge him just by his goals and just by the numbers mm. as, as, as Lars was saying but this was a game that was only going to get won by Barcelona in one way wasn't it and the reaction and everyone's seen it now of Diego Simeone on the touchline where just claps and and shrugs I mean what else what else can you do well I, I think it's two ways actually Andy because We've seen when Barcelona tend to win big games, they need big saves from Ter Stegen yes. and, then a, and then a brilliant moment from Messi. And it was we, we saw both of those. I was watching the game together on uh, on Sunday evening. And uh, first of all, they wouldn't have won the game without the Ter Stegen save. And yeah, then no Messi way. comes up you know, with, with a really big moment right at the end. But I just think in, in terms of Atletico, 16 goals in La Liga all season is a poor return. And, and since the Madrid derby, 13 matches they've played... And they've only scored two goals twice. So, I mean, in 11 of those, they've scored no more than one. Yes, you can say Jao Felix has A, been injured and B, bedding in. And mm. now Diego Costa is injured. But I think you need more from Morata, from Correa, from also Thomas Lamar, who came off the bench. And there's a lot of people now um, in Spain wondering just exactly what does Thomas Lamar do? And I know you're a big an expensive, fan. But it's an expensive squad, isn't it? There's, it there's, really there's is. no getting around it. Really it. Is. And, and last... Um, they're creating the chances. Yeah, in this game they were, and like we say, not scored a lot of goals. Sixteen goals so far this season. Both Alaves and Levante have scored more than goals in them this season. Like that's not where you want to wow. be. And you can look at the expected goals table and then see that uh, they should have had a better return than they had. But I just I feel are they, aren't they top of the league on expected? Well, in expected points, I guess if you adjust all the results for expected goals, right. Atleti should be top, and they should have scored more goals. Uh, According to one website, they should have actually scored 25 so far instead of the 16. So that's a pretty big swing. Is that but, Di- but, Diego Costa's haul that he's not playing? Well, yeah, it's, yeah, and it's some Morata as well, I expect. Uh, <laughs> actually, actually, according to expected goals, Morata should be second in the top scoring tables just behind Benzema. And uh, he is not, put it that way. Yeah. Uh, so, but but, 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 yeah, but I he's, feel, still, he's still probably been their outstanding player. And I so feel far. slightly, I'm one of those people, I feel slightly foolish because I was one of those people who were excited this summer about the, the newly look at. Atleti, uh, about some of the actual Felix coming in, uh, about some of the old guard moving out and, and the potential for Dem- Diego Simeone's team to maybe evolve a little bit. Um, but in care, but I've been proven wrong so far. It's very much the case of the naysayers who are fearing that instead of evolving, what they seem to be doing is losing a little bit of the grit they had that made them so extraordinary defensively and they're not quite adding the the flair that they need to have. But if, if, they, if they're going to truly evolve and Simeone talked after the game about the fact that it is a transitional season and I can understand why it's frustrating for the supporters because A, the squad's expensive, B, they're in this fabulous new stadium and C, Real Madrid and Barcelona are vulnerable to a certain point. But Atleti have shown that they're simply not ready, haven't they? I mean, you know, they're 
when was the last time an elite club bedded in that many new starters at the same time? You look at the experience that's gone over the last couple of years and, you know, you look at um, led by Gabby, led by Fernando Torres, players like that. And then you've got Godin moving on, Felipe Luiz, players like this. I mean, Oblak is realistically probably one of the only old guard left along with Coque and Saul, if you like. But, but the fact is that, that they are changing a, a little bit aren't they yeah there were what, five new players on the pitch against Barcelona from last season so that's half I mean, it, that's half a it's team a lot. that's it's half a, lot. a team and we have seen with play with very different examples but we have seen with with Barcelona for instance teams that have a very particular way of playing have often have a harder time betting in new players because there are a lot yeah. of principles for them to unlearn now there is an upside here I mean someone like Hector Herrera has really fitted in very well looks he was very, great wasn't he looks very yeah. very good against yeah. Barcelona and is clearly someone who goes straight into that sort of all-action Simeone style. But I think the failure so far of Thomas Lemar is notable, not just because he was so expensive, because he seems to be an example of just what's wrong, the fact that you, you they're struggling so hard to accommodate a guy like him in the system, right? Yeah, I, I think you know he, he's very much a technical player and the way that Atletico play with sort of getting the fullbacks wide and, and trying to get crosses into the box, that is a... At that, that's a low percentage way of scoring goals. Mm. It's mm. you know mm. David Moyes sort of um, sort of <laughs> you know era of how he wanted. So to you're play. saying if someone has Dan Byrne and in, in, in center half like like Fulham did, <laughs> yeah, in that mean, infamous David Moyes. You know, man, I, I, game. I, I think that they are quite easy to defend against when you know what's coming. That there, there, there's very little um, sort of unpredictability about the way mm. that they play now, and the more they change, the more they actually stay the same. And I think that that is a problem for Atletico because they have got more technical. Um, players now yeah. um, they should be capable I think of playing better football and that could come back on, on Simeone to be honest so if, if we're saying that they need to find a way of scoring goals I mean obviously Antoine Griezmann is a huge miss in that sense they didn't behave certainly in the stands like they, they missed him and he, he got some stick as well, maybe was they did. incredibly predictable <laughs> well yes it's a, it's a bit like the, the the Luis Figo we we hate you so much because we if, loved if you they, so much they thing, didn't isn't it? miss him they probably but, wouldn't have you know reacted that way no but but it's, it's not just about the it's not just about the goals is it it's about the the, the industry he's a certain type of striker very Simeone type of striker who all through his career has got through that much work now the link has come up again this week in Ass, I think it was, about Edinson Cavani, who's um, kicking fresh air shots for fun at Paris Saint-Germain <laughs> when he's on the pitch at the moment. Huge miss against uh, Nantes this midweek that, that sort of attests to his, his rustiness. For a long time, we've talked about this, haven't we? The, the idea that he is the perfect fit. Even at 32, he's the perfect fit for them. Could you, If they could make the money work... Would that be the boost that Atletico needed? I think it would short term, yeah. I, I, I could, you could really see him playing for a Diego Simeone side, the way that he's prepared to work in, in wide areas. He does want crosses coming into mm. the box as well. I've always just assumed that Cavani would end up in MLS, maybe at that new Beckham side in, in Miami. I think that would make a lot of sense for him financially and also um, you, just from a, a personal point of view, being closer to home again. But He's still at a decent level. I, I the, mean, how the, many goals a season would he score Oh, he, he would, I mean, if Carlos Vela can sort of, you know, shoot the lights out in MLS, then I, although it's a new team, so, so maybe it would be yeah, difficult. Yeah, sure. expansion franchises yeah. frequently struggle in their <laughs> first campaign. I do, I do wonder... It's for him. He's had some injury troubles, you know. Going to MLS, you get kicked around a lot, and I just think the fact that he's still at the level he is, 
you know, for him to, I, I think there's still like an 18 month deal in Europe left in him. And I, I've been flying the flag for him to, to go to Atleti for a while. I you have, haven't you? A, such a perfect fit. And just because he's at Paris Saint-Germain, who I think a lot of people find an unlikable club and they don't watch them play that much, you kind of forget what an absolute hero he's been for them. Yeah, and club he, record goal scorer. And, yeah, and he yeah. just embodies, in terms of just a guy who has like the the, the work rate of Dirk Kout and, 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 and the scoring record of, of someone good. But the fans, <laughs> the fans absolutely love him. They yeah. absolutely yeah. love Everywhere him. Everywhere he's been, that's been the case. Yeah. At, Na- at Napoli and also you know, before that. So And mm. also I think... He, in terms of the national team, whenever I see him and Suarez together, I always feel like he's the one that has to do uh, the work. Yeah, he really does for, for, for Uruguay. So, um, you know, maybe that would solve some of their problems. Beide kanten veel gebeurde. Netvet is boos op Meguto Gonzalez. Maar. I've had some midweekers. I treated myself to uh, Lyon versus Lille, um, which. Well, all I can say, the best thing about it was because Amazon didn't geo-block their Premier League rights, I had a terrific signal, especially during a very boring second half, to watch uh, Manchester City versus Burnley. So, so you to say Crystal, Crystal Palace-Bournemouth there. I mean, that can't, oh, have that been, as well. can't have been much of an improvement. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I got a bit of both. It was it, it was okay. Maybe it's like Amazon. It's one of those things that'll just make more sense the second time you view it. You know, you need to... But Andy, how are... I mean, Leon... Um, that's another bad result for them. Yeah, it is a bad result. And I, I don't know, this struck me as very much old school Christoph Galtier. Once they got the goal, it was quite improbable goal, really nicely finished by Jonathan Ikone. It didn't feel like Lille were going to concede as well. And by that point, Memphis was off as well. He's just come back from injury. So they gave him, what, 60, 65 minutes. And he was the one who made it look like it was going to happen in the early stages. The good thing for, for Lyon is the fact that the rest of the league is not that great. So uh, at, at the time of recording, um, Bordeaux are in third place. We'll come to Bordeaux in a, mm. in, in, in a little bit. But Lyon are only, what, I think four points off four, of, four, of, yeah. of, of the Champions League places. So despite the fact they've had a dreadful season, they're still in the mix and they've still got the, the second best squad in the league. What I wanted to talk about, though, is Lille. And um, you'll have noticed in the notes that I sent around, um, I've got one line that says, Renato Sanchez is not shit. Um, (laughs) He had a really good game on Tuesday night, following on from another really good game um, where they beat Dijon 1-0 at the the weekend, in which he was probably man of the match. So he played in two different positions in those games. He played in the two in 4-2-3-1 the weekend against Dijon. And he played more of a a right-sided role. Now, of course, uh, in the three on Tuesday. Now, of course, that's, there's more of a containment element to that when you're, you're playing in an away game. But on the other hand, he did manage to bring the ball forward as well. He looks confident all of a sudden and he looks closer to the player. I'm not saying he's back quite, just quite yet, to the player he was for Benfica in that one absolutely fantastic season. But after he's had such a miserable time, it's nice to see some signs of life. Do you think that Luis Campos has, has maybe sort of worked his magic again, and they're you know they're really going to have picked up a bargain and can sort of then sell him again in in a year's time for yeah, a lot of money? But I think he's still young enough that you can say, all right, he had a big move that didn't work out, and then a loan move that spectacularly didn't work out. But there's still like 22. There's still time for him to come back to where he was, and you know, he doesn't even need to develop beyond 
where he was a couple of years ago. He needs to just get back to the level he was at when he was sort of 18. And that that really be, says something, actually, uh, doesn't it? Really it really does, yeah. yeah. But if he can get anywhere near where he was when he was 18 as a player, then for someone like Lille, that, 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 that's a bit of a bargain, no? Yeah, I mean, if if he produces the form that he's produced over the last couple of games consistently, I mean, he's going to be one of the best players in the league. It really is that simple. How has he played for most of the season, though? And is this sort of like a, a little purple patch or... Um, a, you know, is this just a continual development of what we've sort of seen for most of the year? It's, it's a start because he's someone who, um, it, you know, he's not he's not played for a while when he when he came in. Of course, he had one little sub appearance for Bayern before he uh, he, he left uh, at the beginning of the season, um, and you know he didn't exactly leave with the best wishes of of, of Bayern. They um, had, had a bit of a, a set to him and Karl Heinz Rummenigge before he he went, and um, I think there was a degree of frustration on on both sides. You know they'll they'll get over it, but I think the Lewis Campos element is important now. Of course, a lot of people expected Lewis Campos to follow Sacramento and Nuno Santos over to to Tottenham. Of course, he's good mates with Jose Mourinho. He's been quite important, as you were saying, in the personal development of Renato Sanchez. He feels at ease with him. He feels happy with him. And to feel wanted, I think, must be an enormous thing because mm-hmm. he, he went from that high of Euro 2016 to being you know, a very small fish in the absolutely enormous lake that's, that's, that's Bayern Munich. And it does seem, Christoph Galtier, who's been like consistently angry about the fact that Mourinho took away Sacramento and Nuno Santos. He, he has come out and said, look, 200% L- L- Lewis Campos should stay in here. I think where Mourinho is involved, it's a pretty bold prediction coming out and, yeah. and saying that, especially as um, Lewis Campos would be so perfect for Tottenham. But given that, given that Lille have commuted from having the side that finished second in the league last season, and they're not out of the chase for the, the Champions League spots again this season, I think having Campos in situ is really important. But even by Mourinho standards, like going straight in at Spurs and bringing in a sporting director would be a big move. I mean, I mean it's more like for him, if he does okay in the rest of the season, you can go to Daniel Levy in the summer and say, hey, this is working out. I have this guy who I want to be in Well, well it, would be, it would be Levy's move, wouldn't yeah. it? And he's, he's so, he's, he ticks the Mourinho box and he ticks the Levy box yeah. as well because he's someone who improves young players as he did at Monaco, as he's continued to, to do at Lille. I mean, and, and there's something that Spurs haven't managed to do over the last couple of years that well, Mark. I, I I think this is the new Jose Mourinho. He he wants to to um, you know be the, the more holistic approach. Everybody's his one. friend, the, the humble one, the entertaining one. Um, I tell you, he's not going back to the VIP suites at Lille in a hurry. <laughs> no, no, I, mean, he, I, I think anybody that had Luis Campos working for them would you know consider themselves lucky. He's definitely one of the best around, and you can understand why he will be highly coveted by Tottenham and you know. Even Manchester United and teams like that should be looking. And elsewhere in France this weekend, um, a bit of a success from someone from from my ends, Lewisham boy Josh Madger, uh, making the headlines in uh, the southwest of France with Bordeaux. Now he scored a brilliant backheel goal at the weekend, which didn't see them to a win at Reims because Reims got a stoppage time equaliser. Hat trick and an assist for Josh Madger, albeit against a spectacularly oh. rubbish name. <laughs> uh, they were beaten 6 0 at the Mahmoud Atlantique, and uh, Bernard Blacker, their coach, said it was the worst day of his footballing oh, career. Wow. But let's plant the flag for Josh Madger, who you, you, were, you were pointing out his, his goal to me last weekend, Mark. Yeah, I, I, first of all, it needs a little asterisk because Neymar, um, you know, pretty, pretty poor. Yeah. I, I, I think it's fair to say. But 
I saw Madger play for Sunderland when he was being linked with Bordeaux and, and other um, European clubs as well as Premier League clubs. I saw him, so it was when he did like a, a, a scouting report on, on Madger when he was playing for Sunderland at, uh, away to Cholton. And he was he was like the anti Icardi. He all of his best work was outside of the box. And I, and I, I mean, it, it was it was okay, and he, he had some nice touches. But I think you've got to get in the box if you want to score goals and you know really become um, an elite forward. You do need to be able to get into positions to score goals, and it didn't look like he was sort of. Um, aware of that, maybe at Sunderland, maybe it was a bit of a um, you know bit being the best kid in the playground. And he just wanted the ball all the time, but I, I think we're seeing now um, with that back heel and, and certainly one of the goals against Nîmes in the box and, and, and you know scoring sort of the, the kind of goals that I think you need to be able to score only if you're inside the box and, and sort of in close range. Well, the hat trick goal was sensational. It was, it, it was, mm-hmm. but I, I, he's got that, he's got that technical ability as well. And I, I, it's just about, I suppose, where he sees himself long term in terms of position um, and also at international level, because um, coming through, I, I think people had expected him to, you know, to, to, to play for England, but he has now um, played, albeit in a friendly for, for Nigeria. So a um, bit of a tug of war going on there in in terms of international ratings. And, and Nigeria have lost a lot of players to England, and that they'll be hoping, mm. I think, that, that Josh Magic can turn out. But um, it, it was a good end to a, a really strange evening for, for Bordeaux with the ultras stopping the game. Yeah, a really strange week actually, um, because there, there was a, there was a huge delay. What forty minutes, I think, to the to the yeah. the, the game after um, the ultras got their pyro out. It's in uh, protest uh, against the owners with uh, who they've got an issue now. There are two. Major America, there are two American shareholders of the club, and the major one, King Street, are looking for a way to sell out. Now, um, the fans, uh, led by the Ultramarine Collective, are, are not happy about the, the the way the club's been managed. They thought when they were getting taken over by an uh, American consortium, or as it turned out, a combination of American consortiums, that they were. They, they were going to be able to push up towards the top three and this would be the, the way they were going to go. And they've just not put the money in. And the fact that Josh Madger is in the team actually owes something to mm-hmm. that because I went and interviewed Paolo Sosa for Ramble Meets at the start of the season and he was talking about his thing that he he really needed. He was fine imparting his philosophy. He felt the players were responding quite well. He needed a striker. Mm-hmm. And they've not got that. What they've done is they've recycled... Um, well, Madger, who was there already, but st- still a really young player. I mean, as you say, he's 20 years old, Mark. He's, he's learning his craft. Nicolas de Preville, who was a big signing for them before, but, you know, is again, is, is he an out-and-out striker? He scored against um, Nîmes, and uh, he's, they've got a pretty good tune out of him this season. But the fact that they're, they're in third place at the moment, it owes a lot to the fact that Sosa has absolutely coached his ass off so far this season. Very much like when he was first at, at Fiorentina, his style and the way he got on with the players, the way he connected with the players, really, really got a lot of people on his side. He's, he's a bit, quite a strange coach um, in, in terms of he's had some really varied results. And, you know, I, I think people have liked the idea of Paolo Sosa maybe more mm. than, than, than the results have suggested. But this... Um, it's certainly working out better for him than, than, you know, he seems to be sort of on the right track again. I think he, he certainly lost his way. I just can't believe we've been speaking about Bordeaux for this long without pointing out that 
It is a very good vintage so far in the season. <laughs> and that Josh Maja scored a corker. <laughs> oh, go. very good. Also, very also good. Liga, bottom of the table, great nominative determinism where Toulouse have now lost hey. six, six on the bounce. Yeah. Toulouse, well, indeed. They, they, they managed to lose at home to Monaco this weekend, which, which, is, was, which was... Lord, pretty, you're going to be doing brush jokes soon, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well, no, that, that's, that's, that's not a safe space for this. Uh, uh, but um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting how it pans out um, between... <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Alphonse Areola has left the league. <laughs> I'm good. I got this. I think um, it'd be interesting to see how it turns out with Bordeaux because there, there is still that issue between the ultras and the ownership. One, it depends how far they can um, they can keep this form going, and two, I suppose it depends how quickly they King, King Street can sell that, that, that's an element I mean it wasn't just we, we talked about um, what happened at the, the game, game against Nîmes but before that before they went to uh, Rons uh, at the weekend um, that game where Josh Manager scored his, his, his back heel goal um, some masked ultras a, approached were in the training ground and were approaching the chateau it's amazing when you go in there it's like this massive chateau in the middle of the training pitches and they all go in there for for lunch and to get changed and all the rest of it you know very like ultra cricket pavilion basically <laughs> but there, there was some masked ultras approaching there with like flares in their hands and um, I think the players were a little bit freaked by that um, so they're keeping that going is pretty impressive I mean Bordeaux have said since the start of the season they wanted to fill the stadium up and get a bit of atmosphere I don't think this was quite what they were looking for um, but some sort of step in that direction Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mark, we've invited you on here for a, a, a number of reasons. Um, one of them 
I felt it was the right time because your long-held prediction about Carlo Ancelotti <laughs> not being right for Napoli. Well, you're in James Horncastle's chair, so it's, it's up to you to take it where you want, really. Well, I mean, f- first of all, it, it, what's going on at, at, at Napoli isn't all of, of Carlo Ancelotti's no. um, fault. I think it has to say that. But at the same time, um, when they appointed him, it, I, I was always uneasy about that because he followed a... Similar path, really, with Pep Guardiola at Bayern Munich, uh, where the players initially enjoyed uh, a bit of freedom and that lack of intensity that comes with playing for a a Pep Guardiola team. And then they realised, actually, that there wasn't enough work going in on the training ground and it was a little bit too easy for them and they, they weren't being prepared in the right way. And for Ancelotti, it always felt like, well, is he going to change? Can he actually kind of, I don't know, get his mojo back? And I think he did initially um, at, at Napoli. And they played some really good football, um, surprisingly good football. But I, I, he and the team have lost their way, um, certainly this season. Not in the Champions League, but then they never do. Carlo Ancelotti is the Champions League expert. It always has been, really. But in terms of that intensity, week in, week out, I just don't think it's there. I think... The squad um, maybe stayed together too long. Uh, mm. People have said the same um, about Tottenham, for instance, and that, um, that the players may be looking around elsewhere and seeing the money that's being earned by uh, players that are probably not as good as them and, and not as achieved as much. And, you know, they, they, they've just... Well, Alan's the one in, in that sense, isn't he? He could have gone to Paris. His head was turned, wasn't it? It was. But um, somebody like uh, Koulibaly, for instance, as well. I mean, he's seen Virgil van Dijk being put up as a, a, a Ballon d'Or potential winner. I'm pretty sure if Koulibaly was playing for Liverpool, um, we'd be saying the same thing uh, about him, um, you know, because I, I think talent-wise, he's, he's right up there with Virgil van Dijk. And there's not much between them. Um, but the, the collective has, has just gone. Um, that And Jorginho departing, I think, hurt them. Uh, maybe yes, not initially, but um, certainly as time's gone on, he, he, he was a big part of the way they played. But they've still got some ultra-talented players. Fabian Ruiz has come in and, and can do, I think, a sterling job for Spain come the European Championship. Yeah. Um, they've still got Mertens. Insigne, when he's in the, in the team, is another one. Milik has missed a lot of chances. And then when they've brought in Llorente, he's actually personally done quite well. But when you bring him in, I think you lose a lot of what Napoli's football is all about. Does them looking to him hint at some sort of collective failure? Definitely, 100%. And I think this is what people have said about Carlo Ancelotti for a while, actually, that he hasn't got much of an ideology about how he wants the game to be played. And he, well, he's like two hands off. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's got his, his brother working with him, his brother-in-law, also in the backroom staff. I don't think that um, goes down particularly well with the players when things are going badly um, as well. Who, who do they go to for that buffer um, if, if they feel that maybe, um, you know, the assistant has got an ear too close to um you know to, to, to the manager rather than actually being on their side and of course we, we you know there was all the problems about them um going into retreat when the players revolted and that's only going to end badly and i just think the season almost a write off now domestically i don't see them getting into the champions league spots if ancelotti stays it's just Champions League or nothing again. But, but they are going in Retiro this week and the players are, are fine with that, presumably because of the, <laughs> the, the mountain of negative results, I including the defeat again. to Bologna uh, yeah, yeah. last weekend. And, and they're doing it before this game with Udinese. And 
Udinese are bad. They can't not win this game, right? Oh, absolutely. No, no, no. They should. It's more about preparing them for the Ghent game that's coming yes. up in midweek. I think maybe given the way that how the locals are at the moment, you probably are better off being locked up in a hotel rather than having to walk around the city and and sort of take all, all that negativity, which is clearly um, you know around for some of the players. Particularly, I take some a risk for a four euro yeah, pizza. <laughs> exactly, but um, you know a lot of these senior players now. Um, have reached the end of the line, I think. Lost. It's interesting. Sorry, it's interesting you mentioned the lack of intensity. So that was um, that was an interesting thing because as much as we can talk about how they've lost their sorry identity and it's not really been replaced with anything, there's just basics that they're getting wrong. Like if you look at the first goal they conceded against Bologna, you know they're, they're, there's no reason for there to be three Bologna players on on two defenders at the back post there. And there's, Isn't this and, just and, and, confidence? And, and, though? and there's such a long time for the players around them to realise. Hang on, we're com- we're outnumbered in the box here. Like one of the midfielders needs to come deep and pick up the slack there. And ever if you just look at the goal, and you can stop the recording. So many places, but here someone should move in. Here someone should. There's just really basic things that are not happening on the pitch. But yeah. last, isn't isn't this just a question of confidence? I mean, the thing that strikes me as strange is Ancelotti still appears to look the part in in a Champions League context, and the difference between what they were able to do in Europe under Sarri, and of course, there's a sense that he wrote it off to a certain degree, especially when they were chasing the title. And I think it is difficult. Is is underrated how difficult it is to come back from a club record points total which doesn't win you the league I think that's difficult to recover from but in the Champions League they still look the part they're going to beat Genk and qualify they're going to be in the last 16 they do have that talent and he has added something to them in a Champions League context in their performances in the Champions League over the last couple of years maybe I I remember maybe there was this thing that their performance at Anfield showed that, oh, look, we're still fighting. You know, it's not just about contracts and money. We're still fighting. Mm. I think the fact that you're up for an away game at Anfield in the Champions League doesn't it's a bare mean, minimum. It doesn't mean that everything is well uh, in the world. It means that you're a professional footballer with a pulse. And I think, <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean it, that's, that's the bare minimum in, requirement, I think. I, I think in some ways it's it's damning, actually, o- o- on the coach when a team can turn up for, for a really big game yeah. and then, you know, the week before or the week after not be able to do it. And, a lot of people that that follow Italian football closely absolutely love Ancelotti, and rightly so. He's seen as you know the ultimate gentleman, been an outstanding player and and a coach. But I just think in recent years, I mean, if if someone if I asked you what is his ideology, what is his philosophy, what what would you say it is? You know, the first thing I think of when I think of Ancelotti's tactics, I think of four four two in Milan. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing I think of, which has been a problem at Napoli, right? Because they don't really their players aren't really suited for that, and he's set them up in that formation many times, and it looks uneasy. You know, but weirdly, is is best and and Paris Saint Germain mourned him for a long time after he went, and you could argue in a way they still mourn him. That superstar coach, the best superstar coach that they've had in the Qatari era. When they played four four two there with Pastore on the on the left, they looked amazing. They oh, looked I, really amazing. I, mean, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with four four two. But we're just asking: players, has he evolved? No, and I, I don't think he has. And I, I think his greatest strength is the way that he can manage up and manage in a dressing room because it's not easy to go into Real Madrid where you know there's all that talk about um, they used to mock Rafa Benitez for not being a, a very good footballer in his day can't do that to, to Carlo Ancelotti. Mm. He was very good at managing those superstars mm. and then, you know, uh, kind of, you know, the, uh, a president maybe that is always in the paper or TV and he's got that now uh, yeah. uh, at, at Napoli. And, and I, th- I think maybe that's what attracted De, De Laurentiis to Ancelotti in, in some respects 
But I think if you're if you're with a team that hasn't got the budget of say Juventus, you need to be able to think differently. You need to be, I'd say, a little bit brighter and just be a little bit more innovative about the way you do things. And he hasn't quite done that. Last, let's look at a team that seems to have a more realistic chance of making the, the, the top four in Serie A at the moment. It was a great game on Monday night. Calorie four, Samp three. Calorie coming from 3-1 down to get it done. Is Raja going to make it all happen this season? I think he could. It is quite remarkable where Cagliari are so far. And I think you mentioned Raja. We'll talk about Raja. But I think Cagliari this season is such a good example of how in football it isn't always about who you sell. It's about how you replace them. Because when a club like Cagliari sells a, a talent like Nicolo Barella, it's, it's interesting to th- it's it's interesting it's tempting to think that it's a show, they're showing a lack of ambition that they can't hold on to their biggest names. But what they've done is that they've brought in a, a good amount of money for him uh, first in the shape of a a large loan fee with a, with an, a, an, a compulsory buy buy on clause there. So I think the the total fee they'll get in is somewhere around thirty eight million euros there about thirty seven thirty eight million euros mm. and. They've already secured. Uh, they, they've secured uh, Marco Rog from Napoli, who is a very, very talented midfielder who was never really given a look in by Sari because Sari yep. had his favourites yes. and who's looked very good for Cagliari so far. Can go both ways, can go past people, puts a shift in. They've uh, secured a deal for Giovanni Simeone, who, you know, at 24, it hasn't quite happened for him yet, but he's a guy who works really hard. And I don't think anyone would be surprised if. Where'd you get that from? Yeah, you wonder. Yeah, I don't think anyone would be surprised if he matured into a very effective Serie A striker. They brought in Nainta Nandes from Boca Juniors who I've always thought looked good for the Uruguayan national team when I've seen him very hard working midfielder who's got good ability and so they've really sort of retooled and, and and changed their team Luca Pellegrini coming in on loan from Juventus you know Robin Olsen from Roma had a bad time there but you know Scandinavian big man so there's a team who I have okay we're going to lose our, our hometown uh, big name central midfielder but we're going to use that money to completely retool the squad and put together a group who's capable of really like punching upwards in the league. Yeah, I think Jao Pedro is another one that, that's mm. done uh, very well this season. Mature, doesn't he? Yeah, uh, but I also feel that actually the recruitment was really good because they have picked up players that had big reputations in the not too um, sort of distant past that maybe lost their way a little bit. You, you mentioned, say, Rog there. I think Simeone, um, there was probably a time a couple of years ago when there, he was being spoken about as potentially going to Atletico and, mm. and other clubs like that and it didn't quite happen and then, you know, you, a bit like Renato Sanchez, you don't lose that ability. It's just about finding it again and sort of bringing a team together. And I know that James Horncastle has spoken about this before. They have been quite ambitious. They, they, it could have been tempting to just bring that money in and not reinvest it in the team. Yeah. But because it's the centenary, um, they really feel like they've you know got ambitions to kick on. I don't think they'll get Champions League, but um, why not Europa League? And they're playing fun football along the way, as we saw in in, in that four three against Samp. And um, just they've had a hard fixture list as well. Their schedule has not been easy, and they've done very well in a lot of the big games. Particularly, I, I remember seeing them completely outplay Atalanta, and not many have done that. Mm. How, how much credit goes to Rolando Moran, the coach? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, here's somebody was it Catania and and, and Kievo. Kept Pretty, Kievo in the league yeah, for a long time, exactly. which is unglamorous, but it's a hard thing to do. I, yeah. I, I think it is. And, you know, these kind of managers that do the job where you keep somebody up, I think it's difficult to 
to keep for yourself that motivation in you know our, our main aim this season is to stay in the league and so I think for him um, this is a, a, a much sort of uh, a more fun project yeah I wonder also I mean it's a terrible thing to say but I wonder if the long term injury to Pavoletti has actually been a blessing in disguise there because when you have a guy like him who's so good at getting on the end of stuff it must be tempting to just sort of whack it into the box all the time <laughs> but whereas with him out it's not uh, quite the same of course that was how they got that winning goal that dramatic winning goal against Cagliari with uh, uh, with Terry getting a goal and Terry who of course hasn't quite uh, lived up to his uh, reputation yet but another young player who has a lot of points to prove I think and an interesting guy to have at the club there What, what about the Samp end of this Mark I mean they've had a bad start to the season brought in Claudio Ranieri and I, I don't know even though they lost a 3-1 lead in that match I did come away from that thinking do you know what? They'll, they'll probably be all right. Yeah, he seems much more suited to the job than Di Francesco, who um, wasn't still, <laughs> still, still scarred by the Roma experience. I, I, I think he was, but also he was he was trying to play. We spoke about this earlier on, but he's trying to play his favourite formation with players that maybe didn't suit. Yeah, uh, you know, he was trying to force that ideology onto players that that weren't quite um, re- ready to take it on board. I think Ranieri, um, obviously, a much more defensive coach. Um, I think he much more simple ideas really on how he wants the game to be played um, and apart from that 4-3 actually they've been defending much better um, it, uh, since Ranieri came on board and Qualiarella scoring again exactly yeah. that always helps another spectacular goal for the spectacular uh, compilation for Qualiarella but Ranieri very suitable for this very much a back to basics guy making sure the defensive shape is right making sure players are physically right that they all know their jobs and if you look at this group of players You've got Cagliarella, Gabbiadini and Gaston Ramirez as a sort of attacking three. If you can have a unit behind them that can, well, not concede four goals, it would be a good start. But if the unit behind those three kind of can be solid and keep goals out, those three, I mean, regardless of what what happens, I think they'll get you goals from, from various situations. That's the thing that slightly confused me in commentary, actually, when Gaston Ramirez scored. and um, What a hit. Yeah, that, well, it turned out that the commentator was talking about it being his birthday the thing was as they were talking about being his birthday the director cut to Ranieri on the touchline I thought hang on didn't he have his birthday when he made his debut on the bench against Roma in that case, how many birthdays does Ranieri he's, have a year? He's has a he like reached that pinnacle? <laughs> he's a bit like the Queen, at least two. But you have to give him a few. Quick stop to Germany because I, I think we've got to have a word about her to in Dortmund uh, because uh, Jürgen Klinsmann, it feels as if there's finally a little injection of glamour into Hertha. As, as I mentioned elsewhere like last weekend, on any show I do when we talk about German football, we never end up talking about Hertha. So but, boring. For good reason. <laughs> there, there you go. But finally, Klinsmann, uh, who I know a lot of people think has, has, has been appointed on a, on a flyer after Ante Chovic went, the, the fact is he was already on the club's advisory board, brought in by new investors, and he was in the box. So he's, he's like familiar with the club. Yeah. He's familiar with the players. 
I'm not going to say can he get them into Europe or whatever. His, his immediate no, job is to, yeah, is to to steer them away from relegation. But does it feel like there's maybe a little bit of hope? Ah, uh, um, not not overly. Should I, I ask know, this question? Yeah, I, I mean, I'd say I don't think anyone would have thought. Well, if you're paying attention, obviously he wasn't brought in on a flyer, and, and there is this. Um, uh, financier Lars Windhorst who's put quite a lot of money into Hertha yes. with, with the view yeah. to making them a big club and if you just winds the, of change just the demographic <laughs> oh my god <laughs> the, the, the demographics sorry stealing joke the, the demographics would suggest that there there should be space for a big club in Berlin right from a, if you're an investor it's a, it's a well, they're not even the best. place to they're <laughs> not even the best team in Berlin at the moment that, that's the, the moment. problem isn't it at the moment and yeah, you can see the appeal of bringing in like a blue sky thinker like Klinsman who has big ideas and is a very groovy dude and is a very <laughs> sort of. Uh, uh, You're selling it. Uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, you can tell I'm not completely sold on the idea because I think you you need serious investment and you need serious know-how and uh, whether Hertha actually have those things is unclear at this point. He's not the coach, is he really? He's not going to be getting any sort of training mm. gear on. He's, he's more of a guru, I think, that will yeah. kind of designate roles to two to people and be and the overseer. Um, of sounds like Apple have made a bigger point. Well, they, they, they have done what they had at the German national team and that he had, of course, a very strong number two and they have Alexander Nuri here has been a number one himself both at and looks great in a tracksuit both at Ingolstadt <laughs> and at Werder so I mean that's clearly the the plan I just think I don't know man it's it's uh, as as he might put it I don't know man <laughs> well the, the, the US gave Klinsman the, the sort of keys to the kingdom didn't they and sort of wanted him to build this this great um you know big you know philosophy right from the top down to sort of the, the junior teams and it ended with them you know, not even qualifying for, for the no, world cup yeah and he i mean one of the many criticisms of him was that he seemed to he, a lot of his plan was built around sort of finding unknown americans in the german leagues and sort of hey you're actually kind of american you can come and play for us and uh, yeah it, it wasn't a huge huge success there now I mean, look at the team hurt has got i mean they've got some guys who are sort of like hard working who run around a lot? I know that means the same thing. So it's like you can see, you, you can mold them into a into a unit who could feasibly play some sort of. High You're moving pressing. this away from my glamour angle. I mean, I seem to notice. Well, yeah, but I mean, the squad. How glamorous is this squad, Andy? No, it's a it's a it's a fair point. Uh, I mean, they talking of points. They could have had one off of Dortmund. They had a goal ruled out, which was uh, very tight offside, uh, noted by VAR against uh, David Selka for that goal in the the second half after Dortmund had started the game very, very well. And we'd had goals from Jaden Sancho, Torgan Azar, who's been absolutely brilliant this season. Uh, and, and then Mats Hummels was sent off on the, the, the brink of half time. The thing that I thought was interesting is Michael Sork, the sporting director, spoke afterwards, and I, I noted this in my, my Guardian column, is that Michael Sork said afterwards, well, what I saw from the team was more of a, a team effort because they dug in with 10 men and Dan Axel Zagadou who really has not had the most stable environment in which to improve and you know he's arrived as a teenager a rated teenager from Paris Saint-Germain but had this rickety old defence around him the whole time once Hummels went off he dug in next to Akanji and they were pretty good I, I think it's really interesting that Hummels was the one sent off because it comes just at the same time when clumsy old tackle wasn't it? yeah but there's a lot of stories in Germany that, that father's not a fan and um, had sort of um, been maybe derogatory towards him in sort of previous team talks at previous clubs and mm. somebody they could could get after and of course he, he comes to Dortmund on 
um, decent money, I think it's fair to say. Like, yes. it's It just doesn't feel easy to me, the whole relationship Favre with that group. Yeah, and he's, he's come in with a point to prove, right? Because if you leave Dortmund for Bayern Munich and then you then come back, immediately you have... The Gertz are yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, I, I think the game, there was, it was almost... Um, sort of uh, latter stage Lucien Favre era Dortmund in a microcosm here is that you saw early on in the first half how quick and incisive and dangerous they can be and then they also spectacularly shot themselves in the foot Yes, and they were able to get away with it but whether that was through some sort of great feat of, of, of determination from them or if it was just Hertha being a bit rubbish I'm not quite sure Well, medium term has this done them almost a bit of a bad turn because th- this is a big win for Lucien Favre is he the guy to take them forward? I, I'm, I'm not as down on him as what others are um, mm. at this stage. Uh, I still feel like he, he blew the, well, not necessarily just him, but they, they blew the Bundesliga um, title last season. And but, he's been there before with Hertha, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you know, you see where you know Hertha with um, particularly with Gladbach, how well. Um, he got them punching above their weight. And I don't think Dortmund finishing, you know, taking the title race to the final day like he did, mm. albeit that they've, that they've blown the lead. I don't see that as a, any kind of failure from, from Dortmund. And I still feel that, you know, they're not that far behind Bayern Munich this time around. They're in a very difficult Champions League group with Barcelona and Inter. And it's a group that they'll be kicking themselves, really. They didn't beat Barcelona at home when they were all over them. And it, Well, go and out help them. If they do go out, if Inter go through as yeah. we expect them to, I mean, people always Will it say help them this. domestically. And people always say this, um, you know, uh, and sort of try and put a positive spin on it. I, I don't, I don't necessarily see it that way. I, mean, I guess it can help you, but the thing is, if you go out, it's probably because you're not very good, right? Yeah, so it means I, that there are things that are wrong. No, I, get, I, it's not for me going out and then sort of putting a positive on it. I guess what I thought was interesting here, even though we only saw it for half of the game because of, of Hummels being a bit daft, is the, just the way he set the team up. Like he moved away from the four-two-three-one and mm. he went three at the back. And I think when you have the situation where you have both Akanji and Zagadou, who are uh, young, interesting defenders who are maybe not reliable enough yet. You can have him, them either side of Hummels, who theoretically should be the wise old head there. We, we know they got guys who thrive playing as wing-backs in Hakimi and Guerrero. That, that, that makes sense. And you can have the sort of Sancho, Royce and Hazard sort of immobile three up front. That's a really exciting way of, of setting up. And I like the idea of him actually looking at it now, Favre, thinking we need to do something slightly different. Well, one of of those things is to bring in a, a sort of inverted commas proper centre forward um, because they maybe lack that target man. I don't want that. Influence. He doesn't want that. He, he doesn't want that. But he also, <laughs> but, but the club have said they do, don't yeah, they? In January. But, but I, I do feel that if you have somebody, let's say Giroud, who has been linked with that position, you lose a lot of that fluidity that actually makes you a successful team and one that you like to watch in the first place. So there are there are negatives to bringing in, you know, uh, that target man number nine. You'd get Cavani in. Cavani <laughs> in front of the yellow wall. Come on. I'm sold. Make I'm it sold. happen. Games of the week. Um, I think you guys might be leaning quite heavily on one country. So I'm going to quickly, while we're sort of still warm from the Bundesliga, put my one out there. Saturday afternoon, 
Borussia Mönchengladbach versus Bayern. Who doesn't want a yeah, bit well, of that? Well, Gladbach I mean, are absolutely flying at the moment. Still top of the league. They're one point clear of Leipzig, but they're four clear of Bayern. And they've got a decent record against Bayern in, in recent years. A more decent record than pretty much any of their competitors. And Gladbach can really score goals. You look at them, Turam, Mbolo, they're not even reliant on Raphael at the moment. Yeah, we didn't mention it in the in the previous Germany section, but uh, Bayern, of course, this weekend, uh, much like your nan at Christmas, were left feeling unwell after a double Baileys. Hey! <laughs> Fantastic. If you, wanted to, worth if you wanted to bring a premature end to me discussing Gladbach versus Bayern, no, no, I'm that, exa- that was the Marco, one. The Marco Rosa revolution rolls on. It's a, a Gladbach is exciting. While he's still there, I mean, he's a guy who's rapidly rapidly becoming very in demand as as far as the, the bigger European manager posts go. Isn't Again, he? and going back to one of Mark's themes, it does show that uh, the, the highlights culture that there is out there. Because I think a lot of people are looking at them, looking at the fact that they're top of the table and playing quite exciting football and going, oh, Arsenal, never mind the fact that he's only a couple of months into the project. But I think the fact that they didn't look good for the first couple of weeks of the season. They got absolutely hammered at home by Wolfsberger. That's Wolfsberger with an E, not even a U. Mm. Uh, the Austrian Wolfsberger in the Europa League. And, you know, that, that they looked as if they were struggling to come to terms with it. They're terrific to watch. I think the problem for them against Bayern, as Jan Sommer, their goalkeeper, was pointing out after they beat uh, Freiburg 4-2 at the weekend, is the fact that they do give up a lot of space in wide areas, which is an area, of course, where Bayern really thrive. What's your game of the week, Mark? First of all, just quick, Timo Werner absolutely exploited exactly what you were just talking about there um, much earlier on in, in, mm. in the season. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. My game of the week is on Friday night, Inter against Roma. Friday um, night, daring. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, first of all, I think we have to mention Correa della Sport's front page um, today, which is just an abomination, really. Yes. Um, picture of Lukaku, Chris Smalling, um, and under the sort of headline Black Friday, um, I mean, how how many people that's got through in sort of editorial meetings, and they've all gone, yeah, okay, yeah, can't see anything wrong with that. I it's mean, unbelievable, isn't it it? It, it? it really is, and you know, it does highlight. I, I think what many people outside of Italy, particularly, have sort of said about the way that they treat um, racism, and uh, with the ultra saying, well, no, no, it's it's all it's all part of the game and and, and stuff like that. Um, it just needs to stop but I just on the pitch this is going to be thrilling um, Inter of course are now on top um, of Serie A uh, playing well playing very much Conte football it, it's yeah. aggressive um, this is a big opportunity to go four points clear which uh, you know given that Juve have got Lazio um, on the Saturday night I think it's massive but also Roma have surprised me in just how well Paolo Fonseca has done there. He did, did brilliantly at Passos, um, also at Braga as well. He, he, he did well. Porto looked like a competition winner. It was it was absolutely horrendous time for him, but he's rebuilt his career um, expertly. Shakhtar was not an easy situation given no. the political problems. The football they play is exciting. Um, got a couple of injuries that they've had for most of the season, but like Cengiz Under and Cliver and Zaniolo going back to his former club. There's a lot of talent in that Roma team um, that's just ready to be unlocked so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it it should be a great game my, my favourite moment from uh, Paolo Fonseca's spell at, at Porto was just before he got fired and they lost a two goal lead to Eintracht Frankfurt in the Europa League and he said we had some trouble with Bayern Leverkusen tonight <laughs> that was the point at which he knew it had all it's gone wrong details, <laughs> it is fine details Andy it is fine details Lars you wanted to stay for yours in Serie A 
Yeah, staying in Italy, I'd like to go Lazio Juventus, uh, which you can watch on on Premier One on Saturday night if you're in the UK. Yay! Uh, because uh, no, just because it's all know, about streaming football this week. Yeah, yeah uh, so apparently it is. Just because Juventus have just not completely looked convincing. Convincing, I guess that's not um, completely surprising, given it's the first year of a of the Sari experience. Uh, but they they drew against Sassuolo, even though Sassuolo had a small child in goal. Uh, so that's, that that was uh, which is harsh. Aturati, bless him, did very well. But you know you don't you don't expect that. And they're playing here a Lazio team who are very very dangerous on the break, in particular who've won six games on the bounce. Uh, you'd think in theory they're just the kind of team that can hit Juventus where where it hurts. They play with wing backs. Oh, Score a lot of goals? Yeah, Immobile on a fine form. I mean, we were talking about expected goals earlier. Immobile is one of those who's overperforming his XG Jamie by, a, Vardy, by yes. a million miles. He's, <laughs> he's, uh, but, but whenever we talk about expected goals, that doesn't mean we're saying he shouldn't be scoring these goals. We're just saying he's being incredibly efficient and he might not keep it up. Anyway, the, the Lazio play with wing backs. Juventus tend to play with a diamond under Sarri so that you can imagine them getting round the flanks there. So tactically, it's quite an interesting matchup. Will Ronaldo start again? He hasn't been good recently and increasingly it feels like it should be Dybala and Higuain up front but then Ronaldo's Ronaldo so you kind of have to play him there's so many intriguing aspects with this game I think it should be be a cracker perfect Thanks, dudes. <laughs> Bringing the bad jokes. This was a Stakhanov production. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at 